So our, our theme for the Sundays this Lent uh, is kind of getting back to our Lutheran roots and looking at uh, some of Luther's uh, unique insights and unique uh, ways of expression uh, that uh, help uh, us grow in our, our life of faith and uh, our walk of discipleship as uh, we uh, work on a more disciplined uh, life of, uh, as disciples uh, to make our celebration of Easter uh, ultimately that much uh, more of a blessing. And a part of that is going back to the old one-year lectionary that Luther preached on. So if you uh, are talking with a family member or somebody uh, from a different church and the readings don't match, well, it's because they're on the new three-year lectionary and we jumped back into the old one-year lectionary just for Lent. But uh, Luther, uh, uh, you know, the texts uh, Luther gives us uh, this morning, or the the one-year lectionary that come with Luther, uh, are highlighted by uh, the gospel lesson. And uh, it's a, a text that doesn't really seem at first blush to highlight Jesus in a very positive way, does it? It's not a very encouraging, exciting view of Jesus as he appears almost hard-hearted, cold towards the woman. First, he ignores the woman's pleas. Then uh, he refuses outright to help her uh, when his own disciples uh, arguably intercede on her behalf. And then he, he finally refuses in very pointed manner that essentially tells her she doesn't deserve it. Ouch. That's a fine picture of our Savior, isn't it? That's a, a challenging text uh, for this reason. It makes us maybe even a little uncomfortable uh, rather than automatically uh, filling us with joy or hope or peace. We can sympathize with the woman in this story perhaps more than Jesus. Jesus almost seems like a a bad guy. It's all, in some ways a hard text. It's not half as hard, though, as the story in our lives can be. That we can resonate or sympathize with the woman in this text so easily because the same thing can happen so easily to us, can't it? We to have times of desperate prayer on behalf of our loved ones or ourselves. And we pray, Lord, my child uh, is struggling with with, uh, mental illness. Uh, Lord, my husband has cancer. Have mercy. Lord, uh, my my. Sisters, plagued by addictions, have mercy. Lord, my children have stopped going to church and I fear they may be losing their faith. Have mercy. With prayers like these and and countless others, we can find ourselves continually going to God for help, 
crying, have mercy on me, O Lord. And you pray and you pray and hear nothing. Why doesn't Jesus answer? It's not just a hard text. It's a text about a a hard place to be in life. And that's why God gives us this text, I think. It's one we can learn a lot from. And it's summarized in a great line from Luther that I really love. That He says, what is delayed is not denied. That just because God's help is a long time coming doesn't mean he has refused you. It doesn't mean he isn't going to help. With a bit more context, the whole quote that's attributed to Luther, at least, is uh, to be sure, at times, our Lord God has delayed a little, but he has heard. But he has heard. And what is delayed is not denied. That's an important distinction. Uh, That's at the root of uh, some uh, significant lessons we learn from this text. Uh, We learn from the Canaanite woman's prayer and and Jesus' response, first of all, that we're not going to learn why she was at first refused. We never uh, are given the the reason, the clues. Like, why didn't Jesus just give it to her right away? Why go through all that? And that's kind of a pattern. If you go back to the Old Testament, uh, God eventually answers Job, gives him chapters and chapters worth of answer, but he never answers the question of why Job had to go through all that. We don't typically or often know why that time of suffering is prolonged or why it happened in the first place. Personally, I think a good Part of that is because we just simply wouldn't understand. Our brains aren't big enough to uh, wrap themselves around all the cascading indirect ripple effects of why something happened in our lives and how that will go on to affect our lives months, years, decades down the line and affect other people through that and affect other people through them. God's got this planned out on a a level that we simply just can't digest. But whatever the reason is why it's not revealed to us, we know that God has a reason. And because what can happens later on in the text. Uh, The other thing we learned uh, from this text is the value of taking Jesus at his word. As I said, this is a difficult text, and a a common approach to it is to try and soften it somehow, to try and uh, help Jesus, you know, put some spin on it to help uh, Jesus' image uh, come across a little bit better. 
people try to explain why Jesus didn't respond immediately. But the point is, really, that he didn't have to. It's a misuse of the text to come to it with our presuppositions of what Jesus should or shouldn't have done or uh, had to do and try to explain why Jesus isn't really as the way he seems to be in a story that he gave us to show us how he is. Well, we should instead take the text as it is, take what it says about Jesus, and accept it, even if it is a little hard, which is actually what the woman in the text models for us. That's what the the mother in the text does as she hears a a kind of hard word uh, from Jesus. It it is not right to uh, give the children's bread to the dogs. Uh, She could try to deny that, to argue with it. But instead, she accepts it and the, the promise and blessing that actually comes with it that actually leads to uh, her, uh, uh, Jesus's approval of her faith and healing of her daughter. She says, I'll accept. I'm not in the inner circle in the household of faith here as a Gentile. I'll accept that I'm not the first in line for God's blessings. Because what Jesus also said there is that I, while I'm not first in line, I am in line. While I may not be in the inner circle of the household, I am in the household. And I will get the crumbs that fall from my master's table. She saw the blessing in Jesus' response to her and seized on that and received it. And that's what we really learn Uh, from this text that Jesus did ultimately help her. And that's all the more impressive because he didn't have to help her. He did, though. He helped her even when he didn't have to. He helped uh, even the one to whom he wasn't sent He's still saved. We see Jesus' actual superabundance of grace and mercy and kindness here. We see actually Jesus' generosity here in coming to the aid of one who really had no claim on it. And that's a wonderful blessing of hope. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we have to put ourselves in the same shoes. Uh, We can't demand of God anything. We can't uh, assertively claim for ourselves, you got to give this to me, God. And to say, I deserve to be given what I'm asking for. We're dependent on God's grace on his mercy to give us more than we deserve, to give us what we have not earned. And that's exactly 
what we see in Jesus' interaction uh, with the Canaanite mother. That's a beautiful testament to his grace and mercy, a beautiful example of the gospel that encourages us, therefore, to keep praying to God even when we feel unworthy and even when we don't see immediate results. We would not be discouraged or let the devil uh, drive us away or deter us uh, from praying to God uh, by making us feel unworthy or inadequate, making us feel as though that delay were the same thing as denied. That's the the great reminder uh, in our text, uh, essentially that prayer depends on God's grace in in two different ways. That in in prayer, uh, we're depending on God's grace. As Luther says, you can... Firstly, herewith refute and beat down the temptation of the devil when he pretends that you are not fit to pray. Uh, And he will. As we talked about last week, the the devil is a very real, present, and powerful enemy uh, who is intent on doing us great harm. And who can we therefore call on? Ghostbusters aren't real. But Jesus is. And the devil knows, as we saw last week, that Jesus is the one uh, who can overcome him. The only one uh, who, can, uh, who can overpower him. And so the devil uh, will be, of course, very eager to keep us from calling on God. To keep us from looking to Christ. And if there's any delay The devil will immediately tempt us to give up and look for help elsewhere. Not to mention doubting God's goodness or doubting that we are even his children as well. And so Luther highlights this as he he did very frequently pointing to uh, how much uh, the devil will use a sense of unworthiness on our part or inadequacy uh, to keep us from praying. Luther even said in his own experience that even at times of great need, his uh, prayer, uh, Lord have mercy, had been cold at best because he was so filled with doubt over his worthiness to be heard by God and answered. He says here, you you can firstly refute and beat down the temptation of the devil when he pretends that you are not fit to pray. Uh, by remembering that it's not our worthiness that is the basis of our prayers. It doesn't depend on our worthiness. Uh, he'd go on to say uh, how foolish a subterfuge this is because if we're honest with ourselves, there's a great many things we aren't worthy of. I'm not worthy to be called a child of God in the first place. I'm not worthy of the the very bread he gives me to eat. For that reason, should I renounce my God and refuse to eat and drink? 
course, we, we go on calling ourselves Christians and call, eating and drinking the food he gives us, though we know we are worthy of none of them. So why should our prayers be hindered by the knowledge that we are not worthy to be God? It doesn't depend on our worthiness. And we can pray to God boldly and confidently, even knowing that we are not worthy of the things we, of which we ask, neither have we deserved them, as Luther says in his explanation of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the uh, flip side of that is that it also calls for humility uh, from the angle that, other angle that uh, sometimes we can go the other direction and uh, depending on, thinking we are worthy. Hey, I deserve it. I, I go to church on Sunday, I give my offering, and God, you got to do something for me. But at the same time, Luther says, you should certainly pray for deliverance and help, but in the way the Lord's Prayer teaches you, if it tends to hallow His name and please His will. We don't just ask for whatever we want, whenever we want, on our own terms. Uh, but going back to the Lord's Prayer, how Jesus taught us to pray, how does it begin? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And only then do we ask for our needs and what we perceive as our needs after recognizing that he's, his will is higher and greater than our will. He knows what we need better than we do. And his lordship, his kingdom coming, is really the solution to all our problems. And his glory is really our highest good. And as Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the other stuff will work itself out. To paraphrase. That uh, when we go to the Lord in prayer, well, we remember that he's not our servant or our, our employee. Uh, that we can say, hey, Jesus, I need this by Friday. And if it's not done on time, you don't get a raise this year. Uh, that's ridiculous. Of course, we realize that it's in his time. And that's the part of the power of prayer. The power of prayer starts off with our uh, perspective uh, on the, being focused on where the power really is, where our power comes from. That when we're in prayer, we're focused on God. And our focus is right where it needs to be. That's what prayer is all, all about. Taking the focus off myself off my problems and putting it where it belongs in God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And when our perspective is there in the right place, then we, everything else does sort itself out. That's the power of that perspective that encourages us to persevere in that perspective, 
uh, even when we don't necessarily see immediate results. Uh, That uh, while there is a delay, we learn perseverance in continuing in that perspective uh, and uh, deepening our relationship with God by continuing to look at him even when there's no immediate payoff to it. And as we learn perseverance to continue in prayer and focusing on God, no matter what the result of that may be, uh, we gain patience. Uh, The patience of uh, perseverance in prayer and perspective uh, on God that uh, ultimately leads us to uh, a peace uh, that is... Uh, surpassing all understanding. And that peace that comes from having our eyes on God. And uh, while we still uh, in this world will ultimately struggle with the delay uh, that comes uh, waiting for God's kingdom uh, to come, that's part of, of our life of discipleship. It is what helps us to grow by teaching us that perspective, uh, teaching us that perseverance and uh, building in us uh, the patience uh, that continues as uh, the book of Revelation ends, the New Testament. The uh, church praying, come Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, looking to him and his kingdom uh, for our blessing. Knowing uh, the, the, the peace and confidence that comes from knowing that as we pray in that way, God will not fail to provide because we're praying for what he has said he's going to do. This is, again, the example of the woman uh, who, uh, whose prayer was, Jesus, I need you to beat the devil. Well, what is Jesus going to do? Not beat the devil? Of course he's going to beat the devil. It's what he does. It's his whole plan. It's just a matter of time. And though the, the time may be prolonged and the, the, the wait may be long, We can have confidence right now. We can have that confidence uh, right now, even though the realization of it may be far off, because we know that God is going to do what he has told us he's going to do. And when our perspective, our focus is on looking to God to do what he has promised, praying according to his will for his kingdom to come, we know it's going to happen. And may that peace is beyond all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until the day of his glorious return. Amen.